Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast, Eight End Nation Edition. Yes! You are, listen- you are listening to the Internet's only dumb curling podcast. I'm Joel Gaston <laughs> with John Fraser, as usual. And yes, uh, we have plenty to get to today, as um, this is becoming our annual tradition in sort of the long national nightmare between the Scotties and the Briar. That is the whole <laughs> six days or whatever it is of no curling when you're... You, it's really tough, though. You get into that groove of being able to watch it basically any time of day you want for about ten days. Well, and then well, one day it just stops, and you're like... Okay. What well, and especially what am I do for six days now, you know. Especially like okay, and like this is my whole adult life. This has thrown me off because previously when I was in broadcasting, obviously working in Saskatchewan, you had to keep people updated on the curling, so I was always watching it. And now, let's face it, the slowest month for people buying vehicles is February. <laughs> so like, I've just had this ability to watch the games, and you're right, it is jarring. It's almost as jarring as me trying to come to work after the Super Bowl this year i gotta remember to book that day off that was not great but yes <laughs> the long national nightmare ends we're recording this on a wednesday it ends on friday night yes so of course the briar returns on friday night um you may remember in past years we've had a uh, super lead super curler front of the show or maybe former friend of the show we'll find out <laughs> um colin hodgson on to discuss everything about uh rocks and pebbled ice um but quite frankly well, there's a couple of things. Number one, Haji's just way too smart and thoughtful for this podcast. Yes, And 100%. we are just not about that around here. Like, everything he says is great, and you should listen to him, and he's a super smart, super thoughtful guy. That's just not that's just not what we're about around here. No, no, we're we're about, we, we are about embracing the dumb, and I love, I love our conversations with Colin, and I have a lot of those conversations with him privately, uh, but I feel like for this year, we need to, we need to mix up. We had, we had... Three down zone, John Hodge on once, okay? And then we had a Colin Hodgson, and Colin came and basically made us sound like mental midgets. Um, <laughs> it's not hard, but... <laughs> it's, I mean, also not very hard, but again, one of the brightest dudes you'll ever have the honor to have a conversation with. So mm. I think the solution is to go back to another guy named John. That's that's what we're missing. Yes, we've had many episodes on the show, basically... The, I remember once we did the like Labor Day preview one, and we called it Between Two Johns. Yes. Because it was me and two Johns. And it was, again, 
B and Two Johns, as of course uh, host of all things curly on many platforms that is not TSN. Uh, we will be joined in a little bit by, of course, uh, John Cullen to discuss everything about the world of curling, uh, oh, the yes. Scotties that went through, uh, a little bit on sort of where the game could be headed, and of the Briar as well. But there's also another reason maybe why Colin isn't on this show this week, this year. Yes, 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 I am mad at him. Mm-hmm. So it's not just because he's too smart for us. Um, this is why I brought up potentially still a friend of the show. <laughs> because if you, may, if you may or may not know, Haji, of course, returned, well, he was living in Northern Ontario the whole time, but he was yes. curling this year out of Northern Ontario with Team Horgan. And so that and potentially, and there were, I can confirm through sources that were John Fraser himself, um, conversations <laughs> about him potentially being the fifth on this team yes. heading into the bride this year once they uh, secured the uh, provincial win, which they, I believe they came back from like all the way from the C event to win that dang thing. They, they, they did. They, they, they came through the C event and a bunch of, <laughs> beat a bunch of 16 year old kids and just dummied these guys. Like I felt bad. Like it yeah. was a, Oh God, thank you the children moment. But uh, yeah, I came all the way back from the C and uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. I might've, uh, texted Colin my uh, highlight videos and uh, had my skip, <laughs> my skip Luke, our skip at the men's spiel, you know, getting in his ear a bit, pumping my tires. And of course, most importantly, because now you can represent the province you live in or the province you were born in. I sent him high res shots <laughs> of my Thunder Bay, Ontario birth certificate. So there was legitimate discussions about me being the fifth. Now, the thing is, the Briar starts on Friday. It is mm-hmm. Wednesday. I'm in house shorts in my basement. They're having a welcome party tonight. I'm safe to assume I don't think I made the cut. So now there is beef, Colin Hodgson. There is large beef. Not good beef. Like, we're talking, like, <laughs> bottom of the freezer flank steak that you got to marinate for three days to make it decent. So, Haji? Ah, who am I kidding? I still love that guy. I mean, I'm going to be cheering for him the whole way. Wearing those Northern Ontario colors. Uh, he, however, he did he did promise me a jersey. So I can be bought off with sports abroad. The jersey that, yeah, he created. <laughs> <laughs> he, yes, right. That his company manufactured for the Briar. But I want, though, and I don't. I, I doubt Hodge will listen. He's going to be too busy with the Briar. Um, oh, no question. There's, there's no chance he's going to listen to us. Like, come on. 100%. But, like... <laughs> I haven't decided if I want because he has legitimately promised me a, a jersey, and I don't know if I want one that he's curled in or one that he hasn't. <laughs> like, do you want the game worn one, and then you're like, do I wash this before I frame it? Like, what do I do here? And and I've got. I, I assume I'm like I've never bought an actual game worn anything. I assume it gets washed before it gets sent to you. Does it? I would think so. I don't know. I feel like we got to ask. Um, we're going to have to ask the guys on the Piffles pod because they do mm. stuff like that. And uh, maybe have a conversation with them. Have Like, oh, I got to ask Greg if this stuff stinks, right? Cause, yeah, because I mean, why I... would you want some stinky thing in your house? I mean, beyond, like, us farting all the time. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it makes it authentic that it's game worn. See, I've got a cool idea because I actually managed to get a Dallin Myers, Saskatchewan jersey. And I'm like, I want the same frame, like. Northern Ontario and Saskatchewan, like the two places that I've spent, you know, basically half my life. Well, oh, shit, exactly half my Fuck, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, 18 years in Northern Ontario, 18 years in Saskatchewan. Huh. Huh. All right, I'm having a moment of crisis. Uh, Joel, go on. <laughs> <laughs> 
So um, we're going to talk a little bit of token football, I guess, right now. Just Yeah, to, uh, might as well, right? It's basically a workaround to make sure that I can still post this on 3downnation.com <laughs> and ensure that uh, it reaches as many people as possible. Though I don't know how many people actually access the pod through the website. I'm sure the analytics tell me it's not much, but eh, every little bit counts. Um, interesting news, of course. Uh, our boy, Justin Dunk, the man who is never wrong. That's right. That's um, right. Despite all the noise out there, show mm-hmm. me when Dunk was wrong once. Exactly. You can't. Uh, out, basically almost before we hit record uh, earlier today on this episode, uh, Rough Riders contract with Kibi, Q, Kibi, 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 Trevor Harris, worth more than $1 million over two years. Uh, not really that big a surprising but number. It's interesting to see how it all breaks down. Um, so he basically got this year a $250,000 signing bonus to become the face of the franchise. He'll uh, earn two twenty one five hundred in base salary, thirteen five in housing, uh, $10,000 in non-football-related services to the club, a.k.a. That's, speaking tours. That's, that's, see, that's interesting to me because I think it's – like, correct me if I'm wrong, Gas. Mm-hmm. And we have never seen the new CFL CBA. No. And we'll get to that. And right. a $5,000 travel allowance in 2023. Um, same kind of breakdown the next year, his total increase, it goes to 525, 250 bonus, 2465 base, 135 housing money, 10,000 non-football related service, 5,000 travel allowance. And then yes, Dunk says, though the new collective bargaining agreement between the league and the CFL players, the association is yet to be made publicly available. Non quote, non-football related services to the club are generally public appearances a player makes on behalf of the team. So that is an interesting swerve that is yes. apparently... Now, I assume there may be, still be some quote-unquote unofficial things that they do on behalf of the team that maybe still get paid, as every team across the league does this, for the most part. Let's Yes. I'm not accusing I mean, the riders of doing anything that no one else does. No, I mean, I mean, listen, I, I invite you to listen to our friend, friend of the show, Derek Taylor's call on CJOB and listen to the commercial breaks, because mm-hmm. every commercial is like, I'm Adam Big Hill for Big Joe's Liquor Store. I'm Adam Big Hill for this Ford dealer. I'm Adam Big Hill for this Kleenex box. Like, it's just, it's Big Hill, Big Hill, Big Hill, Big Hill. And you know, that's been arranged by somebody. Every team does it, but it was fascinating to me that it's in the wording of this contract. Yeah, so it's obviously a thing that now, to a degree, counts against the cap. It's kind of one of those things, like if you're a server at a bar or a restaurant, you kind of... Eh, you report some of your tips, but not all of it kind of thing. Right. And that's uh, kind of uh, how it feels to me. <laughs> well, and that's exactly it. And honestly, I think I like this contract. You paid yeah. four hundred eighty-one grand last year for Cody Fajardo. Yep. There's no argument, especially at this point after last season, that Trevor Harris is a quantifiable, much better quarterback than Cody Fajardo. The mm. cap goes up a little bit this year. You know, you kind of got him right in line. And the other thing I like about it, too, that, yeah, the million bucks is a splashy headline, right? And that's that's what we do. I mean, that's how we get paid is people click on articles and read them. So the thing I like is a veteran guy taking a $250,000 roster bonus for February 1st. Mm. That, to me, you know, people might say, okay, he went and got the bag. Like, this guy started making one hundred and fifty grand last year, took over Vernon Adams' job. You know, now he's the starter. But, like... That, to me, says, all right, February 1st, yep. if I'm your guy, you got to write me a check. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's smart. Good. I like that. It's smart for everyone all around. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, the riders can look at it and say, okay, if things, if things don't go well this year, then, okay, there's an out here on before February 1st, we don't owe this guy another dime. 
Right, and exactly. on the other end, if Trevor Harris, if things maybe aren't quite right with the relationship or whatever, then he's probably gotten out by February 1st as well. Everyone moves on honky-dory. Or this year goes swimmingly, which I know the team believes it will. Yes. And you happily pay the guy 250 k and make another run at it. That's exactly it. I, I think if you can get a starting quarterback for 525 or 500, uh, you're laughing. Well, I mean, I mean, especially he... when a guy reaches free agency, you're always going to overpay that talent level, that position at, you know, in free agency a little bit. You don't generally get, you know, the highest end free agents on discount through free agency. Well, and even, okay, let's like, let's compare it to Calaris, who. To me, even despite some flaws, is probably the only other true QB one in this league right now. I mean, there's a few, but I like, Levi Mitchell will probably have something to say. Yeah, about that. yeah, no, that's fair. Um, but like, Calaris mm-hmm. makes six hundred. Yeah, I- I'm saying this as a guy that likes Zach Calaris. I would take Trevor Harris for five hundred on a veteran team. I take him on Winnipeg for five hundred over Calaris over six hundred right now. Mm. Save that hundred grand, right? I like Calaris, but realistically you're getting a, a bonafide starter for uh, in free agency where you have to overpay for less than you know qb1 outside of Bo levi mitchell makes so i like it i like mm-hmm. it a lot uh we also like curling around here so we're going to get into that in a little bit with our uh guest mr one john cullen uh but before that as usual john for the pile of bones brewing company what is in the glass this week the best bang for your buck in saskatchewan continues as uh you know had to save myself a couple bucks this week, so I walked into Sobey's Liquor and got myself, again, for just like 13 bucks, the Black Bridge Brewery, say it five times fast, just the IPA, it's mm-hmm. exactly as advertised, it's hoppy, it's bitter, it's pungent, it's six and a half, it's delightful in your face hole if you like IPAs, and again, realistically, you're paying for a, for a four tall boys, you're paying on average about five, six bucks less for four than you are for anybody else. Yeah, uh, for me, I also picked up uh, one of the better values in the province you can find on a pretty good price in a lot of places. Uh, that's from the Blackbridge Tasters Flight, I believe they call it. That's their mix pack. Um, I am drinking the Blackbridge Milk Stout, which is exactly also as described. Black, roasted, and creamy. Just uh, kind of a nice, you know, I tend to drink this, the dark beers a little bit slower, and that's kind of that's kind of the vibe I was feeling tonight. So well, that's and, where and I went with it. that. Right, a nice slow vibe. We're going to let John bring the energy because guy knows what he's doing and we can shut up for once. And it is the annual 8N Nation podcast and always so much fun to talk to. My name's Aiken friend, John Cullen, who's a former lead, now the lead commentator for curling.com, host of his own Way Inside podcast. He's got a newsletter that's out. Oh, and the man is a comedian. But of all those career things, we all know what the career highlight is. That's getting to work with me on one Saskatchewan Rush game that started at 10.30 p.m. local time. John Cullen, welcome to A10 Nation, my friend. That's right. Thank you very much, uh, John. Uh, yes, absolutely was a great uh, a great experience. Saskatchewan Rush, box lacrosse, sport mm-hmm. I know a lot about. <laughs> and I think uh, I'm sure you probably got in trouble for letting me do that with you. But, no, uh, I, I didn't. It was through the roof. I had people that were like hammered in cabs that were like, <laughs> whoever your color guy was, it was awesome. Because we knew like first face off was like 1030 local. Like we're out on the West Coast. We're just having a time, you and I. 
and uh no like tons of positive feedback on that so okay oh good good yeah no i i remember that night specifically too because um i remember there was like some facebook comedy drama going down at the same time oh right i was like walking into the that i was walking into the rink in langley and uh Yeah. So I remember like doing that, but then also like my phone was kind of blowing up at the same time. And it was, <laughs> man, it, yeah, there was, it was just, you know, back in those days when Facebook drama mattered, you know? Exactly. Now it doesn't matter. But what does matter is, of course, your great insights on the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. You just put out the newsletter this week. You had 23 thoughts. I, I really like that, that nice quick format. I love your newsletters. I've been a subscriber since day one. Thank and you, that's John. just not just because we're buddies, of course. Uh, <laughs> I actually do read it, believe it or not. Um, um, but what I want to ask you is out of those 23 thoughts, I'm going to kind of put you in the spot like Elliot Friedman on Tim and Friends. Uh, is there one of those 23 you'd want to elaborate, you'd want to discuss more about that? Maybe you didn't get all your thoughts Ooh. out during the newsletter. That's right. I'm, I'm making Ooh. you the Elliot Friedman of our show. Wow. Too much, too much hype coming in. Um, <laughs> wow. One thought that I would really want to blow up, um, I guess, uh, Oh, that's a good question. I I would guess I would say that the first thing that hopped to my mind is sort of the Rachel Holman uh, question slash conundrum, because I kind of how I did it was the teams that made the playoffs. I had a couple thoughts or sorry, the teams that were on the podium had a couple thoughts for each of those teams. Then the teams that were in the playoffs had like one thought for each of them. So Holman kind of only got one thought. But um, yeah, I I think that's the one that really stands out because I think their year um, on social media and maybe off the ice has been strange. I, I think mm. as far as, you know, everybody just seems to have an opinion about their team for some reason, right? And for whatever reason, the opinion just never seems to be like, maybe they're just pretty good and they like <laughs> it and they like each other actually like that's the audacity. The of- yeah. Like it's very <laughs> odd. Like it just, I can't, wrap my head around and maybe it's because they're women or maybe it's because of, of Rachel or, or people are still a little sour about the whole team flurry breakup and, and everybody loves Tracy or I genuinely don't know what it is, but it just like has felt from the start of the year that people just want to put them like 10 feet underground for some, right. it's like anytime, yeah. anytime they don't win, people just can't wait to tell them that they stink and the team's going to break up and all this. And so, you know, I think, Rachel probably eight times out of 10 makes that double and beats Christina black. And then if she beats black, who knows what happens, right? Like I think black only lost to McCarville because they were out of energy. They had to go through that three game day. Their first two games were an extra ends. McCarville kind of put the boots to them, but then McCarville didn't have a great rest of the playoffs. So you wonder maybe Holman beats McCarville. Now, all of a sudden they're in the seeding game, which means they're at least getting a chance to compete for, a bronze. So yep. I don't know, like, you know, so I, I just find it very strange that people are just like, Oh, yep. Exactly what I thought. They <laughs> suck and they're going to break up. And it's all like, I see nothing from that team to suggest that they're bad. They're actually, they're ranked number two in the world right now after their Scotty's points are calculated. Yep. So heads up, they're number two in the entire world. And also they seem like they're getting along. Like, I don't know. Yeah, they like each just, other. Yeah. So I, I don't know. To me, that, that was sort of the big, kind of thing coming out of the Scotties. I think everyone else, you know, the Anerson dominance, the Jones kind of thing, a bit of a surprise, but also not so much of a surprise. It's Jen. You can never really be too surprised, you know, right. Christina black, maybe a bit of the breakout star of the Scotties. But I think that was the main thing for me was that, yeah, it, it just, the, the team home and discourse all year long, but then particularly, particularly 
around the Scotties, I thought was uh, was maybe a little overblown and and unfair. I would say. I would agree. Well, it is funny that you bring up um, the double that you should have made, and she definitely should have made that double, and she would probably ninety nine times out of a hundred historically. But I just remember the conversation before it with uh, with the coaching and everyone that she didn't really like the peel. On that call, yep. if I'm getting my correct call, I was like, and in retrospect, I think she was actually right. Maybe they shouldn't have peeled because then it, you know, it kind of set up the situation that they were in. But hey, <laughs> you win some, you lose some, right? For sure. I mean, I think, but that's, again, the other thing, too, is I, I think people who view that in a certain way go mm-hmm. up. Oh, there you go. Rachel and Tracy, <laughs> they don't get along. They don't agree. And it's like. That no, that happens, happens all the time. All the time. Exactly. It's not, you know, it's I a mean, very normal thing. And also it's the first year as a team. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the, a lot of the teams are going to be going through some of those growing pains, especially if you're making changes at the back end. So mm-hmm. to me, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, maybe that's something they talk about after and they yeah. iron out like, Hey, look, you know, if I don't like the first shot in the extra end, then maybe we don't do that shot. Yeah. Like I, I want to have a little more control over the shots I'm throwing. Maybe they talk about that, mm-hmm. but I doubt Rachel got off the ice and was like, you know, no. fuck you. Tra- can I swear on this thing? <laughs> of, oh, yeah, of course you can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You can. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you, Tracy, what the hell, you know, like how dare you talk me out of the, the I think she wanted to play the draw or whatever. Like, how yeah. dare you talk me out of that? You know, like I, I, I severely doubt that's, that's how it all broke down. So yeah. Certainly. I mean, the how it broke down was Carrie Anderson winning a fourth in a row, which none mm-hmm. of us thought that I don't think anybody thought could happen in this era, especially with the wildcard teams and Team Canada and adding Northern Ontario. I think that was just unbelievable. One thing you pointed out, and Joel and I were talking about this a little bit through the day today, is how good her team was. It, it just seemed to me like Carrie didn't find that extra gear through the whole Scotties and they just kicked everybody's asses. Like, yeah. how how good can they be, John? Yeah. Crazy. Good. Crazy. Good. You know, I I think it's um, so, you know, people talk a lot about curling stats, you know, and and with, and, and rightfully so, right. Stats are often done by volunteers that live in the city that the, the Scotties or the Briar are in. So they're not, you know, it's not like curling Canada is flying in expert statisticians to take these stats. And, you know, you can, we can sit here and argue whether curling stats is even the right way of doing it, like marking the shots out of four or whatever, but I find the plus minus stat to be very informative because that's an even playing Mm -hmm. field. It's like, even if someone's doing the stats wrong, if you're a plus, you're a plus, right? Like, I mean, it's so the way it works, if you don't know, is if you, if you and your opponent are within five percentage points of each other, it's an even. So you both don't score a a point for that game. And if you're above uh, 5% ahead of your opponent, then you get a plus and your opponent gets a minus. So Val is plus seven, which for thirds is crazy because Mm -hmm. also too, because when you think about it, Anderson, so they're, they're playing, they went the long way through the playoffs. So they're playing all the top teams and Val still manages a plus seven, which is crazy. And then Shannon was a plus 10. I mean, a plus 10. I've never seen that at a nationals, uh, you know, and you can say, oh, you know, well, yeah, they have games against the Yukon or none of it or whoever, you know, right. doesn't that doesn't matter plus 10 i mean that's absurd like that's absurd so yeah i i think the middle of the lineup is the really scary part because i think you know and i i almost wrote this in the newsletter but then i i cut it because it was just too long of a thought but like carrie is one of the best skips i don't think we can say carrie is the best skip because i think there's about 
10 last rock throwers you could say are all kind of in the same convo i think you know carrie rachel anna hasselborg alina pets you yep. know uh tab peterson like there you know there's a there's a convo to be had there and then it's the same at lead like you know lead you're th- everybody's throwing the same shots all the time it's hard to be it's hard to truly separate like you have to have a great lead but yep. there's a there's a lot more great leads than there are great skips we'll say so you know, Brienne obviously is a great lead. One of the top leads in the world was playing five months pregnant or so. Yeah. Incredible, incredible. But like, there's not a, you know, Brienne's never going to be able to go plus 10. There is just right. never going to happen. Right. Yeah. No. So, so when you think about the middle of the lineup going a combined plus 17, and like you said, Carrie struggled, particularly in the semifinal, yeah. I think she was scored at like 70% and that, is generous in my yeah, opinion. I would agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, as it often and, is. Yeah. And she wasn't very good. And not only did they win, they were up one coming home with hammer. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when your last rock thrower is in the seventies and is probably closer to like 55 and you're one up with hammer coming home. I mean, it's just crazy. I, so yeah, to me, that team Carrie is, is a phenomenal last rock thrower. I think she calls a good game. She's exactly who you want at the T head. But I think it's Val and Shannon for me that is kind of what's ascended that team to another level. Well, it was yeah. just it was just crazy watching that too because I I mean you could you could see that I'm glad you busted out the stats in your newsletter, John. But yeah, just seeing that was nuts. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, well, it's funny because John and I were talking about this earlier today, and it's more like we we can't really remember too many moments because curling is often a game where the skip gets the spotlight, and it's you know we we focus on the skips and how they play and how they do, and more often than not, the best skip tends to win these things. But you can't remember really through this whole four year stretch too many games where Carrie Anderson actually had to will her team to victory, which is which is pretty remarkable in itself, for sure. And and you can't like you you can't like. So I think if you, you want to talk about a skip who willed their team to victory, Christina Black is yes. obviously the yeah, one yes. in yeah. this in this Scotties who willed her team to victory. So you want to talk about plus minus. Uh, Jen Baxter was even. Her other teammates were minuses. Um, and Christina was even too. But, you know, in a, in a field... The with shots skips, were what they were. <laughs> the shots were what they were. She made yeah. the right shots at the right time. I mean, she made so many good shots. And that always runs out. You know, your, your skip can get hot and you might maybe win a Scotty's off of your skip getting hot, but it's very unlikely you can have a deep run, but it usually runs out at some point. It ran out for Christina black. And so, yeah, exactly. To your point, Joel, I think it's, you know, Carrie can play so good, but 
you can't win four Scotties in a row. You can't make seven slam finals in a row. You can't do what they've done without, without all of that. And so uh, like without the team. And so, and so, yeah, to me, and I think there's a reason why, you know, when we talk about the best players of all time, you know, it's usually, at least for me, and I think for a lot of, of people who follow the game really closely, it's thirds, you know, when, when I think of like the, you know, to me, if you want to have a serious conversation about the best player of all time, if, if John Morris is not in the conversation, then I, then to me, I don't really care. You know, people go, Oh, it's Kevin Martin. Oh, it's Kevin Cooey. And like, they're in the conversation too. Uh, But if you're not talking about John Morris, you're not talking about Mark Kennedy. You're not talking about John Mead, you know, guys like that. Like, you know, to me, thirds are, are everything. And then same on the lady side, Caitlin laws, Val Sweeting, you know, they're starting to get into that conversation too. And, and so, yeah, that's, that to me is like where, like where I think Val is heading. And I, I talked about that in the newsletter a little bit, but you know, to me, it's, it's really Val recognizing, like I could be a very good skip and yeah. I could even win the Scotties as a skip, but yeah. I could be like a true, like hall of famer at third. Yeah. And, and, I, and John Morris made the same realization a lot around the same age as Val and and I see their careers are on a similar trajectory. You know, I, I think Val is is one of the best thirds to ever play the game in Canada, and uh, I think that legacy is only going to get further cemented over over this quad. Certainly. Now we have Tashi started talking about some cement curling and stuff like that. I got to say, Joel and I have always said that uh, to me the Scotties is usually more entertaining than the briar i mean sure. we're we're big advocates of women's curling and we went to our listeners and i'm not surprised at the venn diagram of cfl <laughs> fans and curling fans it's just a circle like let's face it nobody nobody fucking follows me and joel for much of anything but they're mostly because of the football podcast so when we send out like hey we're doing our annual curling podcast and we get some great responses that's cool right because again the venn that's diagram very cool yeah so to lead into before we talk briar and I think I know where you're going to go with this. And I love it. I love it. How do we make men's curling as entertaining as women's curling? Because to me, women's curling, you've got the teams that come out of nowhere. You've got Christina Black. You're not really seeing that in the men's game. You've you've got games that might have three or four blanks and end up being a 6-4 final, right? You just, you, it, there's always rocks in play. There's excitement. There's everything. How do we bring that level to the men's game? You know, it's cool to see somebody make a run back triple, but when they're just lobbing it through for a blank, everybody hates blanks, right? I mean, I, I think we can all agree on that, but what do we what do we do well, to get rid of that? So, I mean, I mean, if you want my true, like, real deal controversial opinion here. Yes, yes, 100% I, think, I do. Let's go. I, I, men's curling is the best it's ever been right now. Yes, that's my, I agree that's with my, you. Yeah, I don't think you need to change anything. I mean, if you watch the Olympic gold medal final between Mallet and Adine, in my yep. mind, that's the best curling game ever played. Yes. So to me, like, you know, the, I think it was um, uh, Harvard uh, Vad Pedersen, we, you know, we were talking about in the wake of the Olympics. And he said, yeah. you know, there's I, I can't remember the exact phrasing he used, but it was like there's something different about hitting blanks and blanks, you know, like it's yeah. not like the team puts the first rock in the house and then the next team hits it and the next team hits it and whatever. And so to me, like, I just think it's lazy. I just think it's very lazy to be like, ah, there's so many blanks. This stinks. I hate it. But if you are like dead set on, we got to change something. And I agree with you. I, I, I think one point you made is very well made is that you're right. 
there we're not going to have a Christina Black at the Briar. No. No, it's no. not going to happen. No. And and so and and I don't think there's anything we can do in Canada. Uh, the only way that that's going to happen is if more teams are willing to pay more money, like they're just yeah. like, and, and quit their jobs and whatever, you know, like, well, we, and that's the it. game will, the game will have to be increasingly professionalized. If you want a true underdog story at the briar anymore, you need, there needs to be more money in the game or that's just not going to happen because the top teams are too good and none of them have jobs. So, you know, like though they have jobs, but gone are the days of like, Oh, I have a really understanding job. I only have to work 30 hours a week. Now it's like, right. I have a really yeah. understanding job. I work four hours a week. Right. It's like, yeah. or, or I have a really all... understanding job. My job is I'm a golf pro and I only work from April to August. <laughs> or, 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 like, or a broom sales rep like Mike McEwen. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. Like, well, so, or they're all so... like, or they're like the retired CFL players who were like real estate agents or mortgage brokers where you can do that anywhere from any time. Totally. Yeah. Totally. It, and it, so, uh, so that's yeah. the thing. Until we get to a point where, you know, you can have 20 teams that can afford to do that instead of five. Uh, it's just never going to be, it's just not going to be the same. Um, so, so I, I think I'm an, I'm a big advocate. If you say we, oh, we got to get rid of the blanks, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. I think the best solution is the half point. Uh, yes. Everybody yes, this hates... is what I want you to bring up. I love this. <laughs> everybody love hates this. well, everybody hates it because they're like, ah, oh, curling's already complicated. Why do you need to I love it? it I love the idea because because you're right. Like it's not even the blanks, it's the extra ends. The extra ends are so anticlimactic that unless yeah. you're curling me, you, you don't really have a chance. <laughs> like, let's face it, I'm a choke artist. I once flashed an open hit for five at a fun bond spiel, right? Like, there's a reason I'm called Johnny Flash when I'm on the ice. So <laughs> Um, it's not because you're fast. No, well, I, I am also sneaky fast, but uh, that's broom losing though. That's broom losing weight. Though. I do have broom losing weight, but sometimes it just, yeah, it's not there. But the half point to me, when I read about the half point, it's less about reducing blanks and, and your thought on it being, and I'll let you elaborate, John, for people that haven't read, but I love the idea to basically give late game some more excitement. I love it. Yeah. So basically the, the half point is, and I'm not even sure who suggested it originally. I know Jason Gunlickson is a huge proponent of it. And anybody yeah. who understands curling from the math side of things who likes it, <laughs> uh, you know, like Jason does, because I'm not very yeah. smart with numbers, but he loves it. And so that's good enough for me. But basically, yeah, the the reason is the reason for the half point is, is right now the advantage of starting the first end with hammer is way too great. So even if you put aside, oh, who has the hammer in the extra or there's too many blanks or whatever, it's just the skills competition that we're starting the game with. It, it would be like if, um, you know, it, it would be like if the NHL started every game with a shootout and whoever won the shootout starts the game leading to nothing. Like it doesn't make any sense, right? Like it, so that's the thing is like, we're doing this skills competition before the game. And if you win the skills competition, your chances of winning the game are so much greater than if you didn't. And so I think, so that, so what the half point is, is you still do the draw to the button for, for uh, or at the start of the game. Uh, and basically if you win the draw to the button, you get a choice. You can either start the game with hammer or you start the game with a half point lead. So there is never a team that's, that's, uh, there's never a tie. So, so yeah. you, first of all, you, there's no extra ends anymore. They're gone. Finished. Um, TSN would great. love that. <laughs> yeah. well, everyone, everyone <laughs> yeah. would love that. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everybody would love that. It's also, um, you know, and I, I used, I think this analogy is like right now. So the no tick is helping. Yes, um, I, absolutely. I think, for sure. I think yeah. before yeah. the no tick, 
the the stats were at the top top level of the game if you have the hammer going into the extra uh, you're somewhere between 90 and 95 percent likely to win it, that's in the top like 15 20 teams let's say Obviously, that goes down a little bit if it's, let's say, a team that's ranked 20th and a team that's ranked 30th. Maybe that goes down to about 10 to 15 percent, but it's still a massive advantage. Again, using a hockey analogy, it'd be like, okay, well, we got to overtime and the team that scored the last goal, uh, they weren't leading longer. You know, they had to score the last goal to tie it up. Now, the team that was leading before they tied it up, they get to play the whole overtime four on three. Like it just doesn't, it, you know, yeah. there's no, it, it's the, the way it works out makes no sense. So, so yeah, so you win the draw to the button, you decide, do I want hammer or do I want to start with the half point lead? And it's a way of sort of mitigating the advantage of the hammer to start the game. And um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's just brilliant. I think you always have a team in the lead. You know, I, I know there are some people who make some arguments against it that they would say it would keep the game a little bit more defensive because <laughs> teams would because more teams would want to be well because teams would want to be controlling like okay when do we want to go for it you know like both teams might sort of agree to keep it at a half point lead for a while into the game but I, I don't know I just don't see that happening I, I think it immediately puts the onus on the team that starts with hammer to score two. And it just, you know, it just makes the game more interesting, gets rid of the extra ends. You still might have blanks, you know, blanks are going to happen. I mean, right. it's not, yeah. you know, but I, cause I think, I think what people don't realize is the obvious solution people always say to eliminate blanks is, well, let's just give hammer to the other team. Okay. You, you, you I think what people don't understand is that is going to make the game more defensive. Yes. Because teams that do not have the hammer are now not going to be trying to steal at all. They are going to be trying to force their opponent to score one all because they they know their opponent has to score one. So they, the advantage for the team now without hammer is, well, if we hit everything, they're going to be forced to draw for one and we get the hammer back. Yep. So, you know, if you like there, I could see teams actually what, what you might actually see happen is a team in a, in a good stealing position. Okay. So let's say, you know, you're thirds rocks and you got one buried behind a center guard. Like it's dead buried, but you go, you know what? We're playing on arena ice. We're playing Brad Gaju. They're really good at like hack board weight. You know, they could possibly get around this center guard. And if they ever get around it the, and tap it out, then now they're behind the center guard and they might get two. You yeah. might see a team in a great steel position on third rocks peel to be like, you know, 100% what? We, you would, we would rather, we would rather them take one than us maybe get a steal. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to risk it. So no. that's the thing is people see this like easy solution. Oh, well you, you just give the other team the hammer on a blank. No one will want a blank anymore. Well, yeah. Okay. But it's not like the skins game where you have to score two or you have to steal to get points. The one point is still going on the board. So the team without hammer is going to be trying their damn best to let the other team score one. And that's, you want to, you think curling is boring now. Just wait until, yeah, <laughs> the skip yells down the ice and go, do you think we should just peel the guard here and give them one? Cause that's, cause that's what's going to happen. So oh, 100% it would. 100% it would. And, and, and I think that's why every, you know, you have people calling to do it and, and, and screaming from the rooftops to do it. And that's why they haven't. Cause you're exactly right, John. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, maybe like, here's the thing about that too. And we've been on this point for a long time and I'm talking a lot, but uh, that's, that that's, that's okay. Listen, Joel slept like shit last night. I just, I, <laughs> I just got home from work. My kids are running around upstairs. Like I even said it. Like I can show you the text exchange that Joel's like, listen, I'm glad that we're doing this early. Didn't have a great sleep last night. I'm like, it's okay. John's a talker. It's it's oh, I'm a talker. It is a what, perfect what solution was, for tonight. What I was gonna say though is is just to put a button on this is like all uh-huh. all of the people who are saying like the hammer should switch with a blank, look who they are. You haven't seen a single top level curler. Yeah. say that's what we should do not one show me yeah. them send me a tweet send me a post from any top curler who says that's the solution they know it's not they yep. all know it's not because they know exactly how they would play so that's the thing it's it, it's just to me it's a boring talking point it'll never happen because everybody knows it would actually be worse for the game as as darren molding would say you'd see nothing but meat rockets <laughs> yeah. meat cannons meat, meat, cannons. Can- meat yeah. cannons how did i fuck meat that up <laughs> well i mean par for the course john right so i guess we'll just take a hard we'll take a hard turn here then um briar coming up starting this weekend john um how do you think this is going to play out because i mean it's easy to look back at the scotties now that it's happened it's a little more difficult especially with a pretty deep briar field this year briar field very good uh yeah i mean i love the three wild card teams i think it's long overdue uh to have that in have that in there officially um briar's interesting I, i think um Again, it's like this year I picked Homan to win the Scotties because I thought, pardon me, you know what? Like winning four Scotties in a row, just really hard. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just really hard to do that. The Magic's got to run out at some point. I thought Anderson was the best team going in, but I just thought, you know what? Four Scotties in a row, that just seems like that won't happen. So I picked Seems Holman. unpossible, yep. And it's the same thing with Brad Guju is I mm-hmm. kind of feel like you know they're the favorite, I think, on paper. Well, they're the odds, they're the odds on favorite, and I think that that's fair. But I don't know. I've been telling people for a while. My my head is saying botcher. My heart is saying gunstone. Um, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's where, I, where I'm at right now. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I loved the team that Matt put together. Like as soon as that team came together, I thought that it was just such a brilliant um, bit of team building. You know, I, I think BJ is, I mean, he might be the most underrated player of all time. Um, you know, when you talk about the men's game, I, I think he doesn't get enough credit because he, you know, he's only won the one briar, hasn't been to the Olympics, but you know, you talk about a pure shot maker and a guy who's just has that a little bit of level headedness. You know, Maddie yeah. can be a Maddie can get a little uh, mm-hmm. you know, he can get a little in his bag a bit. And I think BJ is sort of the perfect, like just you know, and then Colton, I mean, Colton is like Colton playing second is like Shannon playing second. It, it yeah. just doesn't, it doesn't really make sense that he's okay with playing second, but it's great <laughs> that he is you know? <laughs> sort of that perfect, like, Oh, what you really, you'll play second for me. Hell yeah. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, obviously Ryan, you know, has all the pedigree Briar champ, Olympic gold medalist, uh, and also, you know, very level-headed guy. So Loved that team from the time they put it together. Been super thrilled to see them kind of put it together on the ice this year. They've had a fantastic season. So I think that's why my heart says them. But um, yeah, I I think, you know, if I was forced to pick right now, I I would take Brendan Botcher. I think 
Uh, they got a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, you know, they're sort of the male equivalent of Team Homan this year. Everybody yeah. is seems like they're just waiting uh, for them to fail. Um, and uh, they haven't really failed. Uh, I also I thought it was very funny. Like a lot of people were saying around like October, November, a lot of people were like, they're having a horrible season. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you watching? What do you mean? It just started. <laughs> yeah. well, not only did it just start, but they're ranked like at the time they're like ranked third in the world. They won Okotoks. They made the semis in a slam. They qualified in every tournament they were in. They made the finals and something else. It was like, and then obviously they end up winning the slam shortly after that. But it was like, in what universe is this struggling? <laughs> <laughs> it was so confusing to me. Oh, geez. You know, you guys really don't have it together. What? Okay. Anyway. So yeah, I, I, I really, um, yeah, I, I just think on paper, uh, such a great team on the ice, a great team. I think they're coming together. They got a chip on their shoulder. Obviously, losing the Alberta final was a little surprising, but, you know, Kevin Cooey's got a nice little team there, too. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. If I had to pick, I would say I would say Botcher, but I do think Dunstone is uh, he's he's kind of sneaking in there. I, I think he's he's got a real shot uh, this year. And I always, anybody that you got two guys that throw Manitoba tucks with corn brooms, always, always my favorite, mostly because my aching knee at the ripe age of 36, uh, you know, (laughs) I, I, I know what they're going through with the way those knees feel. So last one for you, John, before we go, if you were to pick. Again, everybody's into wagering and things like that. And of sure. course I am, because I'm a bit of a degenerate. Um, Aren't we at all? Uh, we all are a little bit. Uh, if you had to pick one dark horse at the Briar, uh, yeah. who would it be? Myself, personally, uh, I'm going with Reed Carruthers. I liked what they showed in Manitoba as a three-man team. Yeah. Uh, I know Rama well. Uh, so to me, he's my dark horse. But who is yours, Mr. John Cullen? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I like Ram too. Uh, I, I like Robbie Gordon. I think that's a good ad for them. I think he's, yeah. uh, I'm just, I'm pulling up the odds right now so that I can get, so I can feel like, okay, this is maybe a true dark horse. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I Someone know. doing research. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, well, that's not, 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 not research, but I'm just kind of like looking here. So yeah, so Reed is plus 2,400. So yeah, that's a true underdog for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's a good, I think that that's a good pick. I mean, you know, underdog wise, it is hard. It is hard because I, I I think that, like you said, outside of the top sort of five, like I think it kind of cuts off at Reed as to like who is maybe believable yeah. that they could yeah. win. I mean, you could maybe throw Mike McEwen in there, but the odds yeah. drop off is pretty startling. Um, you know, you've got Carruthers at plus 2,400 and then Mike McEwen is the next closest at plus 4,200. Um, so to me, wow. that's like, yeah, so that's almost double. Uh, and obviously that's, you know, that's maybe deserved based on the season that they've had, but I yeah. guess, it, you know, if you're talking about like odds on value, tough to argue with Mike at plus 4,200, like that's a nice number for a guy who's, you know, been one of the best skips for the last decade and a half. And, and Ryan Fry, certainly no slouch either. I can see John's pulled out his phone because he's already wants to throw some money down. Like, and that's, exa- that's exactly what I'm I doing found right out, now. Like, wait a minute, wait, plus 4,200? Sorry, like, where did you wait, say that? If anybody gives you 42 to 1 on anything, you take it. That <laughs> yeah, is exactly. advice that I can tell you as a guy who exactly uh, who did well betting on the men's provincials in Saskatchewan because that oh, was that's it's a, I know the, the stuff you can bet on now is very <laughs> funny, but, um, and, and I, I will say I tweeted this once and then, and then, you know, a few betting partners got kind of mad at me, but, um, 
look, I, I'll just say this. I think we are five to seven years away from uh, a great documentary about a curling betting scandal. But anyway, that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. Oh, uh, I don't. I don't actually get the end. Well, I don't think anybody is actually doing it right now, but I do think if you were a curling team, if Mike wins the briar, if you, if you were a curling team and you wanted to point shave, I do feel like it would be remarkably easy to do. Well, Um, okay. So I will say, here's what I'll say. I don't think I, I genuinely don't think any team has a chance to win other than the top four. So Guju, Botcher, Dunstone, Cooey. I don't think anybody else has a shot of winning other than those four. But I will say teams that I think will maybe overperform or surprise. I actually, Felix Asselin out of Quebec, yes. I think yeah. really One of the solid. best followers on Twitter too. Absolutely. Great, great curling Twitter follow. Great guy. Uh, you know, people may be surprised to know. I would say on my curling Twitter account might be the guy I DM the most. Reason <laughs> that what you will or not. Uh, make, makes sense. You're two great, great follows. Well, he's yeah, great, great guy. And I, I will say like in Brantford this year, I was there commentating and I just like the makeup of the team. I think Felix is a natural skip. Uh, you know, he's been throwing last, but Mike Fournier has been calling the game. I think Felix is now, you know, in total control, which is where he should be. I think Martin crack gets overlooked a little bit. You know, he went to like six straight juniors at a Quebec or something. He's yeah. been to the briar. 10 times or whatever. Like I, you know, I think he's very solid and I think Felix's brother, Emil has come in at second this year and he looks really solid too. So I think that's a team that could overperform, you know, if you want to talk about like, Oh, here's a team that could maybe sneak into the playoffs. And another one is Karsten Sturme. Um, You know, I, I thought he's been really, really good this year, better than I've ever seen him. You know, I, I think sometimes when curlers come out of the university of Alberta program, uh, you know, they play a very defensive style. Uh, that's how they're coached. Botcher was the same when he came out of there. It took him a few years to learn how to play men's that, you know, you can't kind of just rely on your opponents missing constantly. Yeah. And I think Karsten went through some of the same thing, always a good thrower, but the strategy was maybe not quite men's ready. And I think he's there now. I, I think JD Lind is a great player. Uh, you know, I think if he doesn't go and coach Japan, we're talking about a guy who's won a briar or two by now. And I think Kyle Deering is one of the more underrated guys uh, in Canada. Personally, he he moved around the lineup all year. When JD was out, he was third. When JD was in, he was second. Things are always kind of moving around. They got a really good sweeping front end too. Glenn Venance, Curtis Goler. There's they're very solid. I mean, they're plus 15,000 to win. They're plus 605 just to make the top four. So, uh, and plus 225 to qualify out of their pool. So I believe they're in the tougher pool. So it might be a little bit of tough sledding and maybe that's why their number is so low. But as far as a team that like could surprise, uh, that they're going to be, you know, competitive at the end of the week. I I like those two. I like Quebec and, and wild card three. Beautiful. Zoom says I'm out of time because I'm too cheap to pay for it. And as you can tell, I am far too cheap to pay for Zoom. But but fun story, Joel. I got to tell you this. Mm-hmm. So now I can hold it over John Cullen that he has, in fact, been on a CFL podcast. Yes. Because we did talk football <laughs> before we did curling. So, and the reason I say that is John and I met through social media when my old podcast was more popular than his podcast. And in his words on Twitter... No, his words on his podcast, how the fuck are we less popular than a CFL podcast? Nobody watches a CFL or listens to the CFL. <laughs> that started a not real beef between our podcasts, and shots went back and forth for a while, and we had laughs, and then, you know, DMs are exchanged. Next thing you know, hey, the guy's sitting in Vancouver with me. So, uh, John Cullen, 
CFL podcast aficionado.